You are listening to a CJTR podcast. radio show for movie lovers. My name is Sean Denham, and I'm joined finally with my two co-hosts, Sonia Stanger and Jeremy Leguie. Hi, guys. Up? Welcome back. We're isolated. Oh, we miss a, you. A funny thing happened on the way to the recording studio two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we had to figure out a few things, uh, including this new recording studio where... We're doing it over Zoom, and we're recording it, and Sonia's sitting in her closet. It's cozy. <laughs> it's wild, but... Uh, I'm excited to get back on the air. I felt lost without you guys. Same. Yeah, no, it's been uh, a weird jumble of time that I really don't understand. No. I don't think you're alone in that. Um, Yeah, we were smack dab in the middle of To March Madness, where we left off. And it will continue. Um, yeah, we were putting to task nine Tom Hanks films to see who will reign, reign supreme. Uh, we've already seen The Burbs in Philadelphia go to the finale. Uh, and today we have three wild cards, which are films that we've never seen before, and we each chose one at random. And it is Volunteers, Apollo 13, and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Mm. Uh, Cute. <laughs> I did watch these several weeks ago but i think i remember uh, you guys let's jump. start with let's start with volunteers yeah let's so uh, obviously neither of us none of us have seen this i don't think anyone's ever no. seen this film before <laughs> uh volunteers is uh it's kind of a i don't know it, it's sort of the this like 80s style of comedy where everyone made 80 plot lines that they made from other movies and then just stuck them all together surrounding a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically I, what happened. I was like, what is John Candy's role? Why is he here? Uh, I, I was a huge fan of John Candy's role. Same. As the, as the like, impressionable guy who cares a lot about stuff. Yeah, and then can... So be easily turned so quickly. So quickly. <laughs> the hapless do-gooder. <laughs> also, if I had been in this film, I would have been John Candy. And it would have taken no time for the communists to radicalize. Okay, let's talk characteri- characterization. Mm-hmm. What do you think let's... of Tom Hanks's characterization of this role? So Tom Hanks plays Lawrence something Lawrence Bourne the third and he is this like he's this foppish yeah stuck up overly rich Yale student yeah and he's like maybe 30 percent British he's like a sex cad well (laughs) I, I think that he's supposed to be fully British no 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 this is a very specific rich New England person dialect yeah it's a little bit Cary Grant. It's a little bit like, like we've gone to Yale for 12 generations. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I don't think there's any supposition that he's British. I think it's just, that's just his ridiculous. Yeah. Act. No, he's, he's, I would put his race at colonial. <laughs> exactly. What was and his... that's an interesting topic of this film. <laughs> yeah. Did his parents have an accent? I don't remember. Not... I don't think so. Really? Um... Yeah, no. Okay. But so in terms of characterization, one of the things that struck me is that it is truly a testament to Tom Hanks's genius mm-hmm. that this character who is a cad, he's selfish, he's entitled, becomes charming and likable through the course of this film. You root for him. He you do, but you also kind of like like one of my favorite parts is when uh, so basically, he has a huge gambling debt that he has to pay off, which he can't. So he joins the Peace Corps. Well, yeah, he takes his roommate's yeah, spot yeah. in the Peace to Corps es- to escape his escape. gambling debt. Yeah, but then eventually he actually gets like signed up through force. And then uh, he has to uh, help build this bridge in Thailand. But for a while, 
he kind of really fits in. Like he finds his scene in all this yeah. sort of seediness and everything. And he uh, finds I, his friends. I enjoy, yeah, I really enjoyed that part where he like really doesn't want to help build this bridge. So he just like goes and plays blackjack and poker with these locals. Yeah, he teaches all the locals how to gamble. I think part of it is that, like, so John Candy, who's, like, trying really hard, and he, you know, is, like, well-trained, and he's an engineer, he's ready to build this bridge, Mm -hmm. he sort of very much has this, like, white savior mentality. And then Tom Hanks. Well, yeah, Rita, too. (laughs) Yeah. And But then Tom Hanks comes in, and despite being, like, the epitome of white privilege, he kind of just treats everyone like a person and is just the same way to everyone kind of yeah and so in this way it's like well that's actually kind of a better approach to like being this outsider because Mm -hmm. he's not just reducing them all down so anyway characterization i gave him a 10 yeah i because i I thought it was pretty well-rounded no it's okay um i gave him an 11 um because i really liked this character and you really see what drives him, and he's just, uh, Tom just, just gives someone such an easy breezy, he just makes an arse seem so nice. Exactly. <laughs> it's his, like, biggest talent. Yeah. Mm. Um, I also gave him uh, an, an 11, uh, just because I feel like I, like, I don't think this is a believable individual. Uh, just of how relentless he is, but I really enjoyed him. If that makes well, sense. and in the context of the film, like it's it's all so broad and so silly, and I think mm-hmm. cheeky was the word you used yesterday, Jer. Um, oh, so cheeky! <laughs> it's so cheeky, and so like not like kind of no one in this movie or in this world is like a real person exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what'd you give for voice? I gave a nine. We had a bit of a we had a bit of a discussion of this in our our text conversation yesterday. A bit of a dispute. Uh, some dispute because I would say his accent is inconsistent. And Jer pointed out that it's like depending on the situation and sort of like when he wants to use it, that's when he uses it. But it doesn't always make sense like when he uses it and when he doesn't. So I kind of think this was Tom slipping in and out of it a little bit. So I, I felt that way as Jeremy, uh, what you think? I did give it a 12. Uh, I, wow. uh, j- yeah, just because, like, inconsistencies aside, like, he was selling me this guy. And I think the voice is what did it. I actually upped my scores since we talked. Mm. Just because, it, like, it is this sort of, like, he's so deceitful and he's lying and he's, like, uh, you know, performatively being who he wants so, you know, where he actually is, I don't know, but I did I did up it for that. What did you give, Sean? I oh, gave him a four. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, I, I can I can agree with that. Because, yeah, he was dipping so far in and out. Sometimes it was, like, Texan, like, mm-hmm. fairly often. Um, I obviously loved the character, but the accent was not very clear. Um, also, his, like, sex noises. <laughs> when he was fully just Tom Hanks, like just being yelling. silly, like I think that they were. I don't think that he even knew that they were going to use that. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, with, with Bootsy, Bootsy, Bootsy the valedictorian, that was a character that I kind of wish popped back in. Bootsy uh, Wideman. <laughs> um, so, what about physicality? I gave a twelve. And this could be in part that I was blinded by the bod. Oh, because the bod. there are a couple of shirtless moments. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, r- rarely, but a few times he's like doing hard labor. And so, you know, Tom like put some work in. And then, you know, there's also some moments of really great physical comedy, like when he's slinging Rita. Oh, also, Tom stars in this movie with his wife of 31 years, Rita Wilson, or maybe more um, than that. Do they meet on this film? I think they, so. Okay, so they met. I I did Google oh. this because I needed to know. Um, they met doing a TV show a couple years prior to this, but this was when they like fell in love with each other. And he was oh. already married at the time, but his marriage was already over, so that can preserve that can preserve the love story. Like his I, marriage to that woman, he claims was over already at that point. I okay. did not know that. Yeah, his high school sweetheart. 
But then now they've been married for like 40 years or something. Also, did we even bring up the fact that when we finished filming several weeks ago, the, the news broke that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson both had coronavirus. Yeah. The we did not talk about this. It no. was shocking. I felt that we were responsible. <laughs> we may I, very well be. I was but like, why did this happen? To give our audience a, a hopeful update, they are back in the U.S. now. They were quar- quarantining in Australia. They're both on the mend, and they are back home. So I think they're going to be up. And Rita Wilson is doing some good content. She's oh, rapping. Some, some rap. <laughs> um, okay, Tom sorry, is still so... type on his typewriter getting out to all those people he used to before exactly yeah. um, uh, I gave his physicality a 7 because um, I did he really brought the bravado to his character the pomposity uh, jumps off the screen <laughs> but also what about all those moments of physical comedy which is where I got distracted before when he like slings Rita over his shoulder oh, and yeah. he's like carrying her around when it's he's great. trying to, when he tries to um, fight someone with a, a liquor bottle and then tries to smash it, it doesn't work. Also, a lot of good face. Yeah. He gives a lot of good face. Very, very bravado face. Yeah. Jeremy, but did like, you already give yours? For physic, for which one? For physicality. 13, did I say that? I gave nope. him 13? No. Wow. Uh, I thought there was a lot of good physical stuff going on. Probably, like, for a, it, it reminded me a lot of the, the money pit actually with a lot oh, of yeah. but i felt he did a better job here so i had to I, I had to give him that score because of the money pit but um no i i thought he did a really good job there's a lot of good sort of like almost cartoony moments like where he kind of forgets he's in thailand for a minute and walks out of his little raining hut and falls into a bunch of water and he's that like right good. right thailand <laughs> like <laughs> totally ridiculous but uh, um, I enjoyed it. What about tension and emotion? So here's the thing. I gave it an eight. Because really, I mean, he like he has sort of one change, and that's about it. And he even seemed like he wasn't even happy that he had to change. But uh, it, it was really just more of like, how do we get from one bit to the next? Which they did really well, but I mean... I they could have shot this out of order for any all anyone knows. Exactly. Yeah. Sanya. Yeah, I also gave it an eight, and because I didn't want to shortchange this one on tension and emotion, just because it's a, such a comedy, um, and so I was like, well, I feel like the comedy like is partly the emotion of it, and then mm-hmm. also I found his like turn where he kind of falls in love with um, Rita's character. I found it quite impactful. I believed oh. that they were in love, and maybe it's because they're in love well, in real life. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I thought it was cute, and so yeah, eight. Yeah, I gave a five, um, just for the fact that it was like it was not clear when or why he turned into a nice guy. <laughs> it's just like he just decided to become one. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's probably not him. That's the film, but. But also, like, the perfect ending of him deciding to open a casino is, like, the perfect sort of, like, fit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he doesn't, like, go further than makes sense in terms of his goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I did want to just quickly shout out Getty Watanabe, who plays um, at Toon. Is that his name? No, at Doing the most, like, California dude like voice ever well yeah and like it's unfortunate because i feel like he got cast in some of the most racist roles of the 80s yeah and like he is a japanese american person and not thai but he honestly did a really good job speaking thai um as far as i could tell yeah he was really funny He he had some physical moments yeah big time and i actually think he's great and so i was just like you know this guy kind of made a career off of like these awful one-dimensional roles. Not, I mean, not necessarily this one, but like he really, he really did it, and I'm proud of him. Yeah. Okay, good. sorry, that was a sidetrack. Um. Okay. Style. The big one. I gave it a ten. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I felt like if this, I mean, again, I struggle with this, as you guys know, because Tom blinds me, and I can't imagine anyone else doing what he does sometimes. 
Um, but it was hard to imagine that I would enjoy someone else in that role as much. Uh, for that same reason, uh, I gave it a 14. Uh, wow. Well, I enjoyed this movie a lot. Like, I really mm -hmm. liked it. Um, I will probably watch it again quite a few times. Well, uh, now that we own it. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Uh, but um, I had to give that point somewhere, and I chose to do it in style, because I feel like that's that's where the, you know, we amp up the Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gave him a nine. He is just so freewheeling and fun. Um, he makes such a good character of this pretty terrible man. Um, and just like Tom is at his best when he's just having fun. His comic timing was like pretty perfect throughout this film. And yeah, it was just, it was really a nice escape. Yeah, I honestly was a little worried when I found out what this movie was about. I was like, okay, so it's going to be the most racist thing I've ever seen. And, and it like, was. it wasn't without its problems, but yeah. it was a lot better. And like, the ultimate message kind of was critical of like American imperialism mm -hmm. and white savior behavior. And so I was like, well, that was actually not nearly as bad as I was expecting. And I loved it, honestly. A salute, Tom. Salute. Okay, let's move on to our second. This is a little film called Apollo 13. Ooh. You guys have not seen before? I had not. I, this is I the had, one that I, I nominated. I yes. also had. Huh. Yeah, I guess I'm the only but one. But not for a long time. Pretty good, John. <laughs> um, yeah, is it? <laughs> I feel like Sean and I feel the same way about this film, probably. Yeah. Um, mm. I think it was ostensibly good, but there was times where I just started zoning out. And being like, man, these men are really intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I feel like it's, I mean, it's very much a product of its time. So it's like a 90s movie about a space mission and mm -hmm. about America's greatness vis-a-vis -vis space. And so that's a story that I think at this point in 2020, we were like, we know, we're good. Like, yeah. we've heard. <laughs> and uh, so thing, it doesn't feel especially relevant. I, I still get the whole, like, it's, I think it's the thing people get from sports, but mm. where it's just a bunch of people trying to solve a problem. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's let's jump on board. Let's go. Um, I thought something interesting about this was that uh, last March Madness with Meryl, she had two films where she co-starred with Kevin Bacon and Ed Harris, which Tom Hanks <gasps> also did in this film. Whoa. Weird. I, I was like, all these people just popping up. All the yeah. greats. All the greats. Honestly, I would say that Tom's lucky that Ed Harris doesn't factor in because... To me, he overshadows everyone else in this a bit. What? I think Ed Harris is so good in this, and I don't know why. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. We got a Harris mean, head over here. They're all good, but... <laughs> An Ed head. <laughs> he really gets to me. Um, okay. Let's start with characterization. I gave it a 10, and now I don't know why. <laughs> Two weeks later. Um, I guess, like he does give us some complexity in terms of his motivation. I think I found Tom's character very frustrating in this film. Like he has some complicated masculinity stuff in terms of his obsession with going to the moon. Mm -hmm. um, he like doesn't totally. care that much about his family and th what they're going through. I don't know. So I don't know. I think I gave it a 10 because I was like, I kind of hate this guy and I'm probably not being fair. So I'll give him a 10. What about you, Jay? Uh, I, I was called Jason. Jason? That's weird. Uh, guess we've been apart too much. Um, <laughs> I, 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 gave him a, I gave him a 13. Uh, just because, like, it, it's a, sort of a depiction of a real man. And Now, see, this is the thing is, I don't know who that real man is. Yeah. So maybe it is a really spot on, you know, characterization of him. Well, they, um, from what I understand, they had to fold some things together. So there were things happening with a lot more people. So for the movie, they had to condense them into fewer characters. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. Because, like, a lot more people got sick and all that kind of stuff so they can go, right? Because there's, wait, you don't just train six people. You train 28 people and then take the best three, right? Um, but, um, yeah, I I don't know. I feel I'm concerned because when the Mr. Rogers things comes up, I have the same points, but they're negative. So, uh, uh <laughs> Both of your faces, God. Um, anyway, I gave him a 13 just because um, I feel like that he did a 
he did a very good job of like conveying what it would take to be the kind of person to do this. Mm. Right? Like, like he can't have a good relationship with his family because he has to know how that thing works. Right? Like that's kind of what I thought. Um, And they are really cold and distant the whole time. Right? Like they get told the worst information and like the only major breach of protocol is Houston. We have a problem, which is like not radio talk. Right? Like that's the, and it still kind of is. Anyway, I still think it's a pretty compelling step. Yeah. Wow, I'm um, so surprised to hear that from you, Jer. <laughs> just kidding, I'm not. I knew you would love it. I, I do, and I have for a long time. Um, I just feel like he wasn't given a ton. It felt like a paycheck film to me. Oh. Um, just like a little bit. I, I don't I, disagree. Damn, um, I don't think that at all. Anyway, I gave a five. Ooh, just because he has established a character, but, you know, there's not a lot going on. Yeah, like, I don't feel like I know a ton about him, aside from he's he really so wants desperate to go to the moon. To the moon. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, I think that's it, guys. Like, I think that's, yeah. that's all. And he's, it. like, capable, and that's sad. You know, he's nice to his co-workers that might mm. die. Like, I don't that's know. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, voice. I gave him a seven because it was Tom Hanks. <laughs> Pretty uh, much. I, I gave him an eight because it was Tom Hanks. Yeah. I gave him a seven because it was Tom Hanks. <laughs> there we go. It's very standard. Um, he does, obviously, a very iconic line. Yeah. In Houston, we have a problem, which is probably on some top 100 of, like, most like quotable lines in sure. film or something. Yeah, yeah uh, well, the writing is spot on, and his delivery of it w- w- held true, but I mean. Even though the line is, Houston, we've had a problem. <laughs> Past uh, tense? You know, yeah, but they wanted to make it a little more serious. <laughs> um, okay, physicality. I gave an 11, and again, I'm like, wait, why did I give that? I guess, like, he does some space stuff. I gave I gave them a fifteen because they filmed it in weightlessness. Okay, that's a good reason. There we go. <laughs> I mean, like, do you know how they did that? No. They they went in a plane that would climb up and dive repeatedly hour after hour, and I think they could only film for like eight minutes per dive. What? And they did it. Okay, for that's weeks. impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the vomit comet. They built the set in the plane. So they're actually. Because I've heard of that, but I didn't realize that they did that for yeah. this movie. The Vomit Comet was my nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, I did not know that, and that's very intense. <laughs> you can How change do you think your score. I don't know. I thought that. You just said that in post. A, you thought it was just, just digital a, <laughs> in 1995 or whatever? There's just strings everywhere. I've seen the Muppets. <laughs> um okay who jeremy did you give yours you uh, didn't I give, give yours sean oh, yeah. physicality i say 10 um because obviously the physical work but also he does a lot of intense you know looking out a window mm. um he is giving a lot of face a lot of serious face mm. Jeremy's uh, so mad at us for not giving her. I, I can't. I don't even. Under, I don't even know what more you could do to get a more physical performance. Didn't know about the vomit comet. I had no <laughs> idea. And I can't change. Okay, tension and emotion. I gave a ten because, and I know that I know it was very sad, and I should have been more emotionally impacted. Um, but I couldn't make myself care more, and you guys know that's a rare thing for me to say. That's true. Um, so 10. I, uh, I also gave it a 10 just because I feel like it's a very tense situation. Right. But he's just a, a piece on this chessboard, mm-hmm. Right. Like, like it's such a big cast with all these moving pieces. Like it's not all, it's not all, in, it's not cast away. Right. Like it's the opposite. It's yeah. a ton of people creating this whole scene. Yeah. Um, I gave it a seven. Uh, I thought, there was a very, I thought, a good affecting emotional moment 
was when he had that fantasy montage of him like on the moon um on like kind of a bad set uh but I was like, he does really want to go. Really and I know wants I just to made go. that joke, but it's true. Um, and I was expecting, like, I knew that there'd be all this, like, soaring music and, like, Annie Lennox vocalizing in the background that would manipulate my emotion, but it didn't do it as much as I did. Oh. Yeah, um, none of that worked on me at all. Style. What you guys got? I gave it a seven. Um, I feel like... This is one of those movies that, like, a lot of different people could have probably played this role. Uh, yeah. Yeah, one of which was Gary Sinise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, they'll meet again in the future. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I gave it a 12 again. Uh, I, had to, I had to lump enjoyment in here somehow. Uh, lump enjoyment. Lump it in. <laughs> um, but uh, I do feel like it's still a pretty Tom Hanks-ish film. Like I, you know, all jokes aside, Gary Sinise's aside. Um, I gave a seven. The movie was improved with him in it, but you know, kind of a meh role for me. Yeah. Um, also one thing that I wanted to mention was that um, another tube sock saved their lives. Again, they had oh, to yeah. use a tube sock and they also had did it in Saving Private Ryan, but the tube sock saved all of their lives twice. Yeah. Um, and it's very useful. It's it so useful. Uh, it's actually come up. I think there's a thing about it. It's come up in like five Tom Hanks films. The tube sock thing. Weird. Yeah, that's and at this crazy. point, at this point, they're just putting it in, right? Like that's that's, um, what, they're, that's what they're doing. But. Well, I think we should all get out, go and research this tube sock theory, and it's time to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. And we'll be back on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. We'll put the last Tom Hanks film through the paces, but first we'll play a little game lovingly called The Game. It's game time, people. Whoa. <coughs> oh, it's no, that bad. Sonia. <laughs> Maybe um, I shouldn't do that. For those who don't know, or if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, uh, The Game is where I spend literally moments. Uh, even seconds, some would say, this week, determining a title that these two have not seen. I tell them the, t- the title. They tell me what they think it's about. I tell them what it's really about. And we all have a great time. Are you ready to play the game? Yes. yes. Okay, this week's title is The Man with One Red Shoe. The Man with One Red Shoe. Hmm. Sean, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I believe this is a film about a struggling clown. Uh, played by Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. He battles with a lot of demons, including alcoholism. Excuse me. And then once he... Uh, Sean he gets, got a little emotional there. I did. He wakes up and he's missing one of his big floppy red shoes. And so he has to go on a bit of a dude, where's my car? To try and find it. And along the way, he learns a lot about himself and his comedy. <laughs> his clownery. <laughs> That sounds beautiful. Wow, I, that sounds better than what the actual movie is. Um, okay, I think, is it The Man with One Red Shoe? It is The Man with One Red the Shoe. The Man, okay. I think this is about Tom Hanks, who is an uptight lawyer in New York or Chicago or something. And he, one day, he's like busy on his lunch break or he's he's busy at work and then one of his shoelaces breaks and so he has to go to the shoe store to um get new shoelaces and while there he meets um meg ryan's character uh who <laughs> is, this is a third tom hanks meg ryan yeah. film um fourth, who is the fourth yes sorry um who is um they're also uh, buying shoes and there's a whole mishap where the uh, he ends up buying another pair of shoes and they they bump into each other and then the shoes get jumbled and so he accidentally takes home one of her red shoes um and one of his shoes and then they have to find each other to rectify the situation and then fall in love wow yeah okay uh you're both close in no way shape or form but that's okay (laughs) Uh, the Man with One Red Shoe is a 1985 comedy film uh, starring Tom Hanks and Danby Coleman. Um, it's a remake of a French film from 1972. Um, it's, uh, I'm not going to get, well, there's a lot of plot here, but essentially what happens is that uh, the CIA has a 
a, a drug task force with Morocco. And um, at some point they go to New York and there's a man with one red shoe who is seen to be the, the culprit of this. And it's a case of mistaken, mistaken identity. And everyone thinks Tom Hanks is the, the man who's in charge of this whole drug ring. But actually it was just because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, it's just a, a crazy whodunit where the main character literally has no idea what's going on. Pretty much the wow. whole time. I like yeah. that. That uh, sounds fun. The game is, of course, lovingly, lovingly brought to us by the biggest theater in town, the Kramer IMAX Theater at the Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan Science Center. Center. Yeah. Uh, it's over, I don't know, 85 school buses tall. Is that right, Sean? Yes, it's too big. Yeah, one whole spirit there, large. Um, <laughs> at least. You guys should support them any way you can. Maybe buy some gift certificates. Yeah. I'm certain they're not open right now. <laughs> but give them your business. They deserve it during this uncertain time. Absolutely. You guys, how bad do you want to go to the movies right now? Because I would give almost anything to go to. I want so bad to go to Birds of Prey. Oh, same. How fun. I would. I, I like to go to the movies, yeah. Well. Jared's not feeling the same keening that I'm feeling. I'm major keening. I'm not bored yet. Are you guys Karen bored? keening. Yes, I'm very no. bored. Oh, no, I'm not bored yet. No. I, it would lots. take a long time. Also, I have Animal Crossing, which we'll I'm talk there. about later. But. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm not bored yet. Anyway, let's well, care for y'all. Jonathan. Okay, well, let's get on. <laughs> what are we? Jeremy's <laughs> doing some conducting for <laughs> us via Zoom. Wow, okay, let's get back in. Um, the last film on this is the most recent Tom Hanks film A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Mm hmm. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Okay, I, I have an important question just before we get into scores. That sounds sassy, guys. Is that sound no! Okay, this sexy. this is related to my important question, which we've talked about for, before, I'm sure, and I can't remember. Did you? Did either of you watch Mr. Rogers as children? Yeah. Mm, a little bit, not much. Was it important to you, Jeremy? No. Okay, well, see, this, I think, will play into our scores, but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, oh, should we talk about what the movie's about? Yeah, this is quite recent, so people might not know about it. But it's basically about um, a magazine author who is forced to write a puff piece about Mr. Rogers, and he's not really that type of writer. And so he's angry about it, and he's got a lot going on in his own life. He's angry with his dad. He's got a new baby. And, um, and then... While interviewing Mr. Rogers, he's trying to expose him for being maybe not as he's up to be. And he eventually learns uh, things about himself and his dad, and it's very sweet. Basically, I, Mr. Rogers saves him. And Mr. Rogers, and Tom Hanks is not really the star of the film. No. Which, through all of these, like if Tom Hanks is in a film, he's starring in it. Yeah. Which is, you know, weird, I guess. Yeah, I knew it was a gamble when I picked this one because I was pretty sure he wasn't the star, but I was like, mm, we'll see what happens. But um, do it, it gives him more work, like time to do some character work. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of characterization, I what gave do you guys him an think? I gave him an eleven mm-hmm. yeah. because I do feel like he gave us a mostly nuanced picture of Mister Rogers with some complexity but i think it's hard because they're like the mr rogers that we know is pretty unidimensional like he Mm -hmm. just is this like caring nurturing like calm presence and so and so and he does that yeah and he's not meant to change right like he's even not being a main character like he's just supposed to be there as a tag along um I gave him a 12, uh, and I, well, we discussed, it was so long ago. I, I feel like it's bad that my my review of this film is unmemorable. Like, I feel like that's not a good one to give. But um, I feel like it, it did, like, there's somewhere between character and character or caricature that I think this sort of, like, leans too heavily toward yeah. on the caricature side, you know? But... Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, I 
I gave a 12 too, even though I, a lot of it was just doing sort of a impression of his voice. Uh, but he was really channeling Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And, and that's because- sort of eerie like stillness that Mr. Rogers does. <laughs> I, I was like, I was uncomfortable a few times. Don't yeah. you feel your body, sir? Yeah, like, and that's the thing, because they didn't, I'm really glad they didn't, like, try and make him look too much like Mr. Rogers, because he kind of doesn't. He channels him physically, which we'll talk about, but, like, mm-hmm. he, I don't know, yeah, I feel like he captured the essence, in a way. Yeah. yeah. All right, voice. So, yeah, same thing, I gave him an 11. Um, I feel like, honestly, it could have been a little bit more on point, because there were moments where it sounded a little too Tom Hanks for me. But he got the like those pauses and the cadence yeah. and the like quietness of it, and then also he got one extra point from me for his Daniel Tiger voice, which was eerily perfect. Yeah, the puppet work. I forgot the about puppet that. work. It's a you get a big job when you sign on for Mr. Rogers. Um, I gave him an eight Ooh. because I could always, it, like, it was always Tom Hanks. Mm. Like I just couldn't. Like I think their voices might be too different to try and fake and I just couldn't I don't think I could get it yeah I gave it 11 because the like his aura was there like the tone was really perfect and yeah just like how slowly he spoke I was reading how he like had to meditate before going on to because he was not really able to slow himself down that easily Wow. And then after the scene would be done, he'd be like, That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Physicality. Okay, so there's a pattern here. I also gave him an 11 on this. (laughs) Um, Again, he got a bonus point for his handwork, which I know sounds weird, but he was doing some major hand acting in this. The way he held his hands. And then, like, yeah, face and all the same stuff. And then when he put that hand inside a puppet, exactly became a a man Um, i gave him a 13 uh just because i felt like he really did everything a man could do to emulate and like it was working like whenever he moved like with the puppets or like even just when he was like walking around you're like that's a mr rogers walk like like that's a that moment when he's like first doing the song and then he gets his his little jacket out of the closet the yeah. way he did the like quick zip up and then slow like slower zip part way down which mr rogers did do every single episode pretty much um it like sent me you guys oh okay it was so specific and so perfect um yeah i gave a seven um i he didn't need to do a lot um but yeah, it's just like his employment of like stillness and how he just like his face just like looking at Matthew Reese and just like kind of looking through him and his like just waiting. Um, and then his sort of disappointed sigh when Matthew's like, I got in a fight with my dad. And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or that was, scene with the tent also. Oh, the tent was very funny and apparently real. Yeah. Uh, bizarre. Tension and emotion. Okay. I gave it a 12. I'm someone who has a lot, a deep emotional connection to Mr. Rogers. And especially, so I watched this like the Tuesday. So like the Tuesday before our show was canceled. So like before everything was super shut down. And I just had this feeling like, oh my God, like Mr. Rogers is what I need in my life right now. So this hit me a certain way. I've, I've found myself like regressing in general in terms of some of the things I've been watching and listening to and doing. So I don't know. Maybe that's a factor is all I'm saying. Hmm. Uh, I gave it a 10 because I felt like the, the main character was the one bringing us everything. Hmm. Right. Like, it, yeah. you know, like it could have it could have just as easily been a guy who said Mr. Rogers was important to him. And they like use things from the show, and I think it might have still happened. Like they could have just used scenes from the show, as opposed to have a, a man cast as Mister Rogers. But who knows? Um, I give an eight. Um, 
just because it's like not really his film for emotion anyway. Mm-hmm. But you know, he at the end when he bangs those piano keys, oh, like oh, you gets me. You got some anger. Well, yeah. Anyway, I was about to go on another Mr. Rogers tangent, but it, we don't need it. <laughs> um. Okay. Style. I gave it a ten. I think he did a good job. Uh, I gave it a twelve. I think he did a, a better, a better than great job. Better than great. I gave it eleven because I was like, literally, who else could have done this? This, this one is very probably, probably Gary Sinise. Stop bringing up Gary Sinise. <laughs> I love Gary Sinise. I won't. <laughs> Lieutenant Diane. Lieutenant Diane. God, can we have a day without Gary Sinise? No. <laughs> okay, are we ready for the revelation With, of the scores? Or um, do you have something? I just wanted to talk um, uh, a little bit about, because did you guys know that um, Tom and Fred Rogers are actually kind of related distantly? No. There's no? six cousins. Wow. They found that out like right before filming. Um, and also, Colin Hanks played Mr. Rogers in an episode of Drunk History. Where that he's, I did know. When he spoke in front of like, the Senate to keep funding PBS. Oh my God, I love it. I have is to go that find fun? that. That is um, fun. Also, just like as a shout out, I loved Matt DeVries in this. His, like, his annoyed face was so <laughs> good. Yeah. And when he was, when he's gotten that fight with his dad, and his dad called his wife, like, he's like, be a doll. And he's like, she's not a doll. She's a public interest attorney. <laughs> I love that. He was they really were, good. He was really good. It makes me want to watch The Americans, is what I want. Mm. Um, okay, ready for sports? So now the time has come to see who makes it to the finale. Let's go. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Yeah. In third place, with 139 points. Apollo 13. <gasps> wow, we have a problem there. One small step for Tom. Uh, <laughs> in second place, with 143 points, Volunteers. Wow. Jeremy I'm, is... I'm, I'm literally furious right now. Jeremy, Jeremy furious. He's you furious. Gave, okay, but you gave the winner very high scores, so I, I'm glad you're mad. I gave um, him just scores. Well, there you go. Just. Uh, and so in first place, moving on to the finals... A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Mr. Rogers, you did it. (laughs) Drama winning over comedy again. Um, I don't don't think Volunteers was the best comedy that he's done. I just watched Splash this last week also, unrelated to this. Mm -hmm. And he's also very, he's great in that. Yeah. I like Splash a lot. Also, there's um, Sonia. You've got the Tom Hanks thirst. There's a moment where he is just completely mm-hmm. naked, standing in a pool, and only holding his genitals with his hands. It's kind of wild. BRB, gotta go watch Splash. <laughs> gotta go. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Wow. So next week, I guess we'll see who wrestles to the top. We're going we're gonna to find out. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... By my calculations, we have some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you watching, you guys? All right, I have a I have a, a gripe to pick here with uh, oh, no. with Sonia. Oh my gosh! Now it may be because you put it in my head beforehand, but in the weeks that we've been off, I have watched the movie Frozen Two something like a dozen times. Yeah! Wow. Now it's very good. Like it's it's good. It's good Disney. It's good Disney. Mm-hmm. However. Your sort of moral moral stance on it, I feel, is quite incorrect. Okay, please tell me why. <laughs> well, because you said it was about giving land back, when in the end, actually, they're just more subjugated by the royalty. How so? Well, they were trapped in a forest, able to rule themselves. The forest was released, and now they have a new queen who they didn't have previous. Which they chose. This is true, but well, because it's an it's, issue of sovereignty, right? But so it's like, not like they gave their. I was just under a very. I was expecting so much more, oh, and then I just yeah. got like, like, well, like, why aren't they, you know, letting them into their lands or anything? And that just did not happen. So I was just like, what is happening here? Anyway, that's, that's all. Yeah, but uh, I was really like hoping for much more. 
like, <laughs> over, sorry, overt lessons here. Like we can't make Pocahontas, so we'll teach you a lesson in this movie. But it didn't. It didn't happen. Anyway, it may be that I was reading into things. A well, it's, deep, it's, it's definitely because you told me, right? Like, if I yeah. had not had that impression, 100%. But, like, we finished watching it uh, for the 80th time yesterday. And I was, you know, I was just sitting yeah. here like, like, you know, this is not, this is not really representative of any situation that we live in. But Well, no, I don't think I ever claimed that, just to be clear. But anyway. Because I can't do ice magic, sadly. Yeah, but they did not give, no one gave land back. Well, nobody was. And if anyone took it away, it was the spirit, Sonya. What do you think? Well, no, her grand, spirit. their grandfather. He did. He tried, but it didn't work. Well, no, but he tried, and then that was the reason they were sealed off from the world. I'm what? so sorry, Sean, that you. Have to take this right now. <laughs> that is okay. We might have to take this off air. No, we're well. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about it for years to come. Anyway, probably for years. Uh, wow. What have you guys been watching? Okay, I as well as. Most of the entire world. Yeah. I've taken this time of being locked into my house to watch a documentary called Tiger King. <laughs> Full name, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. And Madness is right. Madness is, it's more mad than you ever think. So, it's wild. It's about, um, it starts off innocent enough. It's about uh, big cats uh, that are in captivity and the people that own them. Because there's a lot of big cats, more big cats in captivity than there are in the wild. In the wild, I actually just learned today that there are more big cats in captivity in Texas than there are in the world. In the wow, world. That's, so that's insane. Something. So you follow. You start off with this one man who owns the zoo named Joe Exotic, and you meet a couple more people that also own big cats, and then you find out there's a bit of an antagonist with a woman that's trying to free big cats even though she owns basically the exact same amount of cats and also charges people to view cats and take pictures hey of them. Hey, all you cats. cats and kittens. <laughs> yeah, Carol, she's like, hey, all you cats and kitty cats. <laughs> she is of every character, every time a new person appears on screen, they're more bizarre and horrifying than the person before. And you don't think that it can keep going, and it happens every episode. Yeah. Anyway, the story just spirals into an insane Florida, like, meth trip, basically. Like, you don't understand what's happening. And, yeah, like, I can't, I still can't fully wrap my head around all of this happening. But, there are uh, a lot of plots. A lot of plots. A lot there of roads to nowhere. It's, it's quite a cast of characters. Um, I heard it referred to online today as, like, basically a Christopher Guest movie. And I it's think a that total is Christopher Guest movie. It is. But then it also gets so dark. Yes. Because, like, I started it being like, okay, this is going to be a crazy fun romp. And then the whole first episode, <laughs> I was really sad about animal abuse. Because yeah. I think that does get lost in the story a bit. Is like, part of the problem here is that people are breeding and selling wild animals and keeping them in these horrible captive environments. And, like, probably euthanizing a bunch of them and like it's awful so that part i didn't find fun but then if you're worried about that once you get into the later episodes there's less of it so just know that yes i have not yet watched it i plan to based off the recommendations of folks like yourselves and others however i did watch the trailer and i have been captivated for like a week and a half by the one line from his song which is a man saw a tiger and then a tiger saw a man. And that's, Joe Exotic that is one boils of our down best the entire musicians. documentary. Exactly. Um, except that he uh, took that song from a real musician and did not pay him. <laughs> I mean, the layers of scandal are There's, oh, hard yeah, to and the, through. The trailer is definitely worthy of its own award because they... <laughs> I you can't no watch the trailer and not need to put it on right now. Pretty much. Yeah. Anything Sean else you guys have been watching? Well, I for the last couple of weeks here, um, conveniently timed alongside quarantine, um, have been playing a little game that some of our listeners might know called Animal Crossing's New Horizons. Oh gosh. The new iteration of Animal Crossing's for the Nintendo Switch. 
Um, it is my paradise and my escape and my everything right now. A oh, little bit. If anyone needs me, I'll be looking for seashells and building houses for my new island friends, um, such as Ed the horse and and a little bear, a little bear whose name I can't remember right now, and that's pretty rude of me because we've been neighbors for almost two straight weeks. Um, <laughs> One of your friends is Ed the horse, and you just expressed your love for Ed Harris. <laughs> oh my god, it's relevant. Also, he wears purple eyeshadow, so good job, Ed Harris. Wow. Um, anyway, it's a delight. It is a children's video game, um, and it is beautiful. I think it's just a video. I don't know that it's a children's video game. I don't know about mm. that. I don't know. But yeah, um, the only people I've seen playing it are full adults. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean, do we have do we have time to talk about one more thing? Yes. Okay. Uh, have you guys seen? I excuse me, I don't know what it's called, but the Trixie Mattel documentary on Netflix. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Some assembly required? No. Is that what it's, yeah. No. Moving, Moving parts, parts, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know, something. Anyway, I'm only halfway done because wife of the show and I have been watching it together. Um. It's very good. It's really interesting to see like someone be pretty real about all this drag race stuff, which I do enjoy. As you know, I have been exposed quite heavily. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I know all of the ins and outs that are that are going on. But um, I feel like it's a really interesting sort of like line in the sand about like people in this community concerned about their legitimacy and what they're doing is legitimate because I feel like there's a huge sort of movement of people who fight that constantly from within it. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Not a hundred percent. The the subtext of all of RuPaul's Drag Race is that some individual does not deserve to be there. That is yeah. that is it comes up it's in layered throughout absolutely everything. Yeah. And in watching this Trixie Mattel documentary, it's in their lives, right? Like like they live this. There's no question. But from a true outsider, like, I feel like what they're doing is a legitimate art form. And I don't know that it's ever been called into question, like, within the past five years. I don't, I don't, I'm making blanket statements I don't actually believe. But um, I, I, I think if you, well, if, I assume you guys have seen it. But people should watch it just to sort of learn about this perspective. Because it is, like, crazy destructive and introspective and kind of unhealthy but yeah, also a huge that. part of producing this like i don't know yeah i will definitely want to pay, get my eyes on that yeah, yeah I, I need to like get my eyes on it and think about it because obviously i have a lot of feelings about rupaul's drag race and inclusion and like sort of morality like i mean we just found out in the last couple of weeks here that rupaul is like <laughs> makes Fracker. a ton of money from fracking and so then, like, last week, there was this whole thing about, like, saving the bees, and it's like, well, Rue, it's a little hard to take your mission to save the bees seriously when you're fracking. Anyway. Rue fracking? Okay. We uh, we'll let, talk about it. We're going to let our <laughs> listeners go. I'd like oh. to thank Saskatoon's The Garys for letting us use their song, Manitouna, for our theme song. Thanks to everyone at CJTR and all of you for letting us your ears. The show is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6. Thank you. <laughs> not actually. Rebroadcast Thursdays at noon and is available as a podcast on CGHR website, Spotify, and Apple Play. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so give us a follow and have a great night. Bye. Bye. Stay safe.